Welcome to Make and Decorate, a podcast for makers who love to sew, quilt, and decorate. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Make and Decorate podcast. I'm Stephanie, and this is Season 3, Episode 71. It is also the season finale episode. Yes, it is time for Season 3 to come to an end. But do not fret, because I will be uh, replaying, posting previous episodes throughout the summer, And for those of you that are newer to the podcast, these will be new episodes to you. And for the rest of you who have already heard them, maybe you'd like to hear them again. Who knows? You know, like while you're sewing or, you know, doing something creative. So that's what's going on with uh, season three. And season four will return in the fall. So another thing, too, is to make sure you sign up for my newsletter if you haven't already, uh, because I know I've I've sent out like a total of one or two newsletters in the lifetime of the podcast, but I will be sending one very soon uh, with a link uh, to something new. And um, I'll just tell you about it right now that it's coming, but I've created a new private community online group with Mighty Networks. So this is, let's say it's similar to Facebook, a Facebook group, but it's on Mighty Networks platform. They have an app for Android and iPhones, iPads, and the computer. And again, it's a private group and it is called Make and Decorate Friends. So in this group, everyone will be able to chat with each other. You can post photos of the current projects you're working on and the projects are not limited to quilting. It could be sewing clothes, sewing bags, gardening, cooking, anything creative. And it's just kind of like a a room for us to gather and come and go and and just, you know, just talk to each other and see what we're all working on and doing. If you want early access to this group, I am uh, going to send a few links out to whoever wants to um, participate in kind of like a focus group or, you know, pre-testing the group out before it completely goes live to the world, um, then let me know. Send me an email uh, or DM me on Instagram. My Instagram is stephanie.socha. What is it? (laughs) stephanie.socha.design. That's my Instagram name. And... um, All this information will be on the podcast uh, blog show notes. So here we are at the end of another month in 2021. We are at the end of May and heading into a a Memorial Day weekend. It's a United States federal holiday, and it um, honors those who have served in our military um, and have died uh, while 
performing their their duties in the service. It's also a weekend where typically um, is the kickoff to summer. And so people get out their barbecues and um, do outdoor activities if the weather is nice, which uh, the weather is supposed to be nice for us here in Chicago. So um, I will probably be um, planting more of my garden. And I'll talk about that in a few minutes. So in the last couple of weeks, I just wanted to update you on some of the things I talked about the last episode. Uh, I did finish everything for uh, the um, 70th birthday party for my mom. So I finished the bunting. I finished her gift, the T-shirts and everything. So um, it was crazy, (laughs) but it, it all got done and I was very happy with how everything turned out. So I will post a photograph um, of the bunting. Turned out really cute. Um, I added, I did add some of the pom-poms, not to every single one, but to, you know, across, across the, um, the pennants, um, the bunting and um, did the hot fix um, crystals on the number seven zero. So yeah, uh, it, it was it was really good, and I used a K facet bright um, fabrics for the lettering, and it was on like a solid background of purple, because purple is also my mom's favorite color as well as mine. Although now blue is like, I, if someone were to ask me what my favorite color is, it would have to be purple and blue, <laughs> because I love blue just as much as I do purple. Uh, So I will have two colors as my favorite color. And then uh, my husband got tickets to the White Sox baseball game. And we went at first, I was completely like, Oh, my gosh, I don't why is it this weekend? It's true. It was like so much on one weekend. But we did it. And uh, we went there, we took my parents. Um, and they were really nice seats uh, right behind home plate, but kind of like if home plate is at six o'clock, then we were sitting at like five o'clock uh, and only about 20 rows back. I mean, it is such a different experience when you can get that close to the action, I guess, if there's that much action in a baseball game, but sometimes there is. And yeah, you get a complete different experience. And also, um, it was a night game. Uh, and it was also when uh, they were still they had limited capacity of fans there. So I loved that because the row in front of us, they staggered people. So like we had the first four seats of this one row, the row in front in front of us, the first four seats were empty like they were they actually use these industrial zip ties and they zip tie the four the four seats closed so no one could sit in those and then in next four seats were people and so every row was kind of like that and I was like I love this I love that there's no one directly in front of us (laughs) and and it was awesome so but you know what now now they are at 60 percent capacity. So it's getting back to normal. And um, 
So we will never experience that again at a baseball game. So I enjoyed it. I took full advantage of, you know, where we were sitting and we lost the game. Of course we did, but well, not of course, because they actually are number one in their, um, league or conference or whatever they call it. I'm not that into baseball, but I do enjoy going to a game or so. And, you know, I ex- I'm a Cubs fan, but I actually like have to keep up with the Sox stats because my husband's a Sox fan. So there you have it. And then also last week, um, when uh, we still had some family in from out of town, um, I hosted a tea party uh, for, you know, my nieces and nephew, and then my mom came. And it was really lovely. I got to pull out my fancy Russian blue tea set. I made these really cute little tea sandwiches with cucumber and turkey and, and cream cheese and salmon and cucumber. They were so cute. They were like little dainty square sandwiches. We had grapes and the tea was delicious and it was just a really nice time. I had the Vivaldi classical music playing in the background. So um, it was kind of like a combination of Alice in Wonderland and like a fancy high tea at the Waldorf. That's kind of like the experience I got from it. (laughs) So much fun. And if you're a kid, I was just looking at, you know, it was um, my niece's birthday last Friday as well. So uh, we were kind of celebrating it all week for her and she was having the best time. And I was like, oh, it's just so it's so fun to be a kid at that age um, and to experience all this stuff and to have fun like that. Um, yeah, so it really was a good time and it was a nice, nice way to sort of end, end out the, um, activities of the frenzied week ahead, uh, prior to it. So, all right, sewing and quilting. So I already told you I got the bunting done. Um, I also finished a bag I started a year ago. Uh, it's a sew sweetness free pattern. It's called the Clyde Bank Tote. And on the front of it, I did a block of, uh, oh, what is it called? Foundation paper pieced block from the Tartan Kiwi of the, the rainbow girl with the umbrella and the rain boots. Um, so, and the, the reason why I did not finish it when I started it a year ago is because I put the lining on backwards. So when I went to turn it right side out, uh, the lining was the other way. And so I was just like disgusted and like threw it in a pile to get to later. So uh, because I was doing a presentation for uh, my Modern Quilt Guild last Sunday, um, my topic was stabilizers um, out of the ordinary fabrics and recessed zippers. So this bag actually has a recessed zipper. That was already done though a year ago. I was 85% done with this bag a year ago. (laughs) So uh, this, you know, working on this um, presentation for the guild got me inspired to like, hey, pull this bag out and finish it already, right? Um, So I can use it. And, uh, and that's what I did. Isn't it funny how certain things sort of just kind of, um, 
inspire you or motivate you to get something done um, or pick it up again. And I, I've noticed a couple of things lately that um, have been doing that for me with my sewing and quilting. So um, I'm I'm really happy that I did it. And <laughs> all it took was like, you know, maybe a half an hour to to rip out uh, all of those stitches. But, you know, when you're in it, when you have done all of this work and bags are labor intensive uh, to make, if if you're doing a bag that has all of the bells and whistles, linings, foam, um, the Peltex at the bottom, the purse feet, you know, it's, it's just when you're in it, it's just it seems like it is just another thing that is you know, the straw that bakes the camel's back. Uh, when you look at it with fresh eyes, like I did this time, I was like, oh, this is almost done. So once I got the lining off and then I started finishing it up, I was so happy. I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I picked this back up again and finished it because I was 85% done. 85, 90%. So, um, and then quilts. I am not starting anything new. I am going to finish some whips, works in progress, uh, a wedding quilt that I started last year. Um, I only have a few months to get that done. Um, uh, and if I am staying inside the um, proper etiquette of wedding gifts, uh, the baby Yoda quilt I have to finish and a commission quilt. I've got some commissioned other projects that are going on as well concurrently. Uh, so that's what's going on for quilts for me right now. And then uh, I am getting back into garment sewing. I've I've had this one project I mentioned last week, the Hollyoke um, skirt a uh, pattern by Cashmirette. I have fabric for that, um, a tana lawn, not a tana lawn, just a lawn um, by Robert Kaufman that I'm going to make that skirt in. But before I make that skirt, because I still have to get some notions, I need to get some buttons because it's a button down skirt. Um, so uh, in the meantime, I just uh, started to look at some other patterns because I finally switched over my closet from the winter to the summer clothes. Um, I felt that, well, we have, we're like towards the end of May and um, I do, I think we are definitely knock on wood, finally past the frost point and um, it's safe to switch out the wardrobes. So I did that and I'm looking at things, you know, where I need to fill in some gaps here and there and and I was like, you know, I I should make like a, a few things because, um, you know, like when you like try things on again to see a if it's, you know, too old or, you know, is, is it time to, you know, uh, take it out of your closet or um, does it fit all that stuff? And I'm realizing that I was I'm like, gosh, you know, this store bought shirt fits terribly around the armholes and it fits better you know at the lower part of the shirt or vice versa it fits up at the top but like it's terrible at the bottom so I'm thinking you know I should make some stuff because that's the point of making your own wardrobe is that you you fit it to your own body measurements 
And um, so it's, it's something that sort of got me thinking. And also, the other thing that had motivated me was Andra... Andra makes her new YouTube channel. So um, I've been following it. I've been watching her videos. She's doing a great job. Um, She's on a previous episode this season. So if you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to the episode with Andra makes. Uh, So she did a video on the Ashton top, and that's a pattern from Helen's closet. So I had that in the back of my mind too. So with all of this whole closet thing and seasonal clothes and blah, blah, blah. Um, I just, you know, like, here I go, a rabbit <laughs> down a rabbit hole. of <laughs> Let's let's start getting into garment sewing again. So uh, I ordered a bunch of patterns and um, I did I took a long time because, you know, patterns aren't that inexpensive, especially independent patterns. But um I I looked for ones that I definitely would be able to make, you know, kind of like a, a um, sort of a short make where it's not going to take forever um, to get it done and it's not involved with um, heavily advanced techniques. Um, and also for summer, things are a lot more casual anyway. So let me tell you what I got. And I stumbled upon a brand new pattern that literally was released the day before I found this pattern. I was like, this is kismet. This is so cool. So I'm just like getting that excitement and um, just like eagerness to to dive into this. Uh, And this is sewing that I'm going to do for myself. So you got to do some self-care with your creative projects too. I'm one of those types of people where I always make things for everybody else and hardly anything for me. So I'm trying to balance that out now because um, I've noticed that when I do make things for myself, just like this bag that I finished, not only a self of um, accomplishment, fulfillment, but it just gives you a little bit more of a giddy, happy feeling. And, and, you know, it's for you and you made that. I hope that you will try to do some sewing and projects just for, for you. And I think that it will actually help to refuel um, your creativity And if you've been in a sewing slump, quilting, creative, you know, kind of rut, uh, give it a try. So something that you haven't done in a while and um, get renewed and excited about it. And also the excitement for making something just for you. This pattern that I found that was just released is by Made by Ray. And it's called the Emerald it's the emerald pattern, but it's a dress and it's also a, can be made as a top. So I definitely want to make the dress, but I didn't have enough fabric on hand, but I do have enough fabric to make the top. And I have this beautiful Essex linen in like a, um, like a plummy purple or yeah, it's, it's the purple, but it's Essex linen. So it's not a strong purple. It's like a chambray. Um, so I have enough yardage to make the top and that's what I'm going to start with. And then the few other patterns that I got are the Ashton top. I finally got that pattern by Helen's closet 
and I got the Ashton expansion pattern, which has different styles of sleeves. Uh, and I got their York pinafore dress. The pinafore dress is like a cool modern version of a sundress. That's what I kind of liken it to. Um, and it looks, again, more simple to make. Uh, and um, also made by Ray. I got this pattern last year when she launched this pattern. Um, it's called the Rose Pants. And it's like a pair of pants that you can make at a cropped um, length. Um, or I probably full length as well. Um, but it's kind of like that wide leg style and summer is great for that wide leg style because you can use a really cool linen cotton blend and it would be like nice and flowy and cool to wear. Uh, so, um, I'll have to pull that out later on. Um, as I start making these things. And the other one that I haven't gotten yet, but it's on my list to get, is the Concord t-shirt pattern by Cashmereette. So those are the patterns on my list ready to make. I've got the emerald dress fabric already pre-washed, so it's ready to like start cutting out. I've got the pattern printed and cut out. So yeah, I am ready to go. If any of you guys are making any of these, then let me know. Let me know how it's going. Um, okay, so let me talk about a little bit about my gardening. So my echinacea uh, split and transplants are doing well. They're, they they looked a little like they were in uh, like severe shock for a while there, but they have... I guess, establish their roots and they're coming back. So they're just like still little baby plants. Um, so we'll see how they do this summer. Uh, and then um, last weekend, my husband and I went to the garden center to start getting our flowers for the year. And um, I got a few more perennials to plant down in my ground garden. Um, oh, and I also planted some more sunflower seeds from sunflower seeds I had left over from last year. And those have popped up really well. In fact, I have to go out there and kind of thin them out um, a bit because I just plant like more than I would think that I would need because in case the squirrels and the birds uh, take them. <laughs> and they did take some. <laughs> um, but in another section, they didn't take as much. So I'm doing something new on my deck. We have a large deck on the back of our house and um, I have uh, containers uh, around the deck. Um, it's like a th one, two, yeah, it's a three level deck. It's, it's, a, it's a different design sort of. So um, on the upper part of the deck, we've got our grill and that's usually where I keep my herb herbs at. But this year, I am doing a tea garden. Uh, my sister got me a book that I had wanted for my birthday, and uh, it's called um, Grow Your Own Tea Garden. I'll put a link um, in the show notes. So I read through that book cover to cover. It's amazing. Like I, I had no idea that you could... Uh, make and drink teas from like certain plants. Uh, it was like parsley. <laughs> Have you ever made and drank parsley tea? I'm not so sure that that mm, 
appeals to me, but it, good to know, right? So I, I am planting in a, in a group of containers or like a section. I've got my deck sectioned off into like these little mini gardens. And so I've got my tea garden section where I have bee balm, chocolate mint. I have never grown chocolate mint before. I'm excited about that. You can put the chocolate mint not only in teas, but you can blend them up in your smoothies ice top your ice creams off it's it's a very versatile herb <laughs> um sweet mint lavender hibiscus because a lot of the herbal teas that i drink have hibiscus in them and hibiscus has uh some good um healthy things in the night i i want to say vitamin c but don't quote me on that uh and then i have my herb garden, which I always have, rosemary, basil, thyme, Italian flat parsley, oregano. And then uh, my husband likes to um, plant, have his, uh, the spicy hot peppers. So this year we got Thai pepper and um, of course a jalapeno. And then two pepper plants for me are, I like those little small miniature peppers. They're, and so we got the red snack peppers. And there's another one called Sweet Heat. So I don't like super spicy, like jalapeno with the seeds left in is spicy. I can eat jalapeno if the seeds are out. Um, so hopefully the Sweet Heat pepper will will be like a nice um, kind of, you know, in between where it's not going to be too spicy. And then my Mandevilla, I got two of those again. But I also got the hibiscus, which will be down um, in between the two Mandevillas. Some of my poppies came back from last year uh, in some of the containers. So I had to transplant a few of them and they don't look like they're doing well. I read that they don't transplant very well. So if they don't work out, they don't. But I was really um, excited to see that they had reseeded <laughs> um, into some other of the planters. And then I've got um, wisteria that the blooms are coming up um, on a trellis um, by um, our deck. And out in a huge container in the backyard um, over by the tulips, I have a Roma tomato plant. We planted that early, like a few weeks ago. So I bought like a few, few plants, but I didn't plant the herbs because we were still having some frost um, date, uh, frost days going on, evenings. Um, but I did plant the tomato plant because it was in a giant container and it wasn't like in the ground frost and it it, 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 it was fine and it's growing really, really well. So anyway, if you're not into gardening, I'm sorry that I went on and on about this, but it's exciting. I like this time of year. I am not like an avid gardener, but I like to have my flowers, my herbs, and I am... Um, uh, trying to get my perennial garden um, just like, um, I don't know, not completed, but I do want to complete it. But I'm just adding to it every year until I can get it to where um, I don't have to plant anything else down there. <laughs> I can just enjoy my perennial garden every season. All right. So let's get into the product reviews part of this episode. 
The first product is made by a small business called What of You Farm, and the uh is spelled A H. What of You Farm, and they make um, paca pressing mats from the fiber of alpaca. So uh, they asked me if I wanted to try it out, and there was no obligation. And if I did like it, would I um, do a review on the show for it? So um, I agreed, and I got uh, the 15 by 15 inch PECA pressing mat in the mail. This was a few months ago, so I've had um, a good amount of time to test it out. Uh, So let me tell you from um, the beginning of when I received the PECA mat, the PECA pressing mat. Um, it comes in, um, like a heavy duty Ziploc bag and in the package, they, um, recommend that you save it because you can, uh, use it to transport the pack of pressing mat to any, um, of your in real life sewing get togethers or classes or whatever. So, um, and we're going to start doing those again, hopefully sometime soon later this year. And I opened it up. And the first thing I noticed was how soft it was. It was like a sweater soft. It was just, I <laughs> I was like, what? This is totally not what I was expecting. And it's pliable. So it kind of like bends easy. Um, it's very light, lightweight. Uh, so those are big differences from like a wool press mat. So it's very intriguing. So I was interested to um, to see how it performed. But let me backtrack a little bit so I can tell you um, a bit of what I learned about this company and about their product. So One of You Farm is in Missouri, and um, they they do a few things. And one of the things is that they are kind of like a retirement home for female elderly alpaca and um, they said that they range from anywhere from 18 to 21 years old Uh, so that's part of their small business and they also make and sell the paca pressing mat they purchase um, a grade of alpaca fiber that cannot be used in most yarns so alpaca farmers will sell the alpaca fiber um, you know, two companies that will make yarn for them. You have probably, if you knit or crochet, you've probably made um, something from uh, alpaca fiber, alpaca yarn, um, or a blend. So instead of this other fiber going to waste, uh, what if you farm buys it from these small alpaca farms and they make alpaca pressing mats? Isn't that really so... I think it's um, creative and uh, very uh, just a very good use of, you know, nothing goes to waste. The other thing I learned is the terminology for um, alpaca fiber. So alpaca are sheared just like sheep are sheared for their wool, but it's not called wool. So if something is referenced as wool or fleece, that refers to sheep. Um, if alpaca is fiber. So that's why you're hearing me say alpaca fiber throughout this segment um, is because I learned the correct terminology for it, which I never knew before. 
Okay, so back to the alpaca pressing mat that I received, 15 inch by 15 inch square. There's uh, multiple sizes available, and this is a nice size. I really like it um, because you can press like a 12 inch square quilt block really nicely on there, and you still have a little bit of surface um, all around the um, quilt block. But the color, the color I got is a, a really like deep, rich brown. Um, and then it has like a cream interior layer. I took a photo of it so you can take a look at it on the show notes. Um, but the, uh, the, I read that the colors range from gray to brown. And, and there's nothing dyed. It's all natural. So the first couple of times that I used this Pekka pressing mat, um, there were a couple of things. Uh, there was a faint animal scent. And... Um, it's it was like a wet dog. <laughs> That's the only way I could describe it. Uh, but it, it it was like a wet, clean dog. Like, you know, when you give your dog a bath and that kind of wet dog smell. Um, but I, I had a feeling that that would dissipate and um, and I was right. So it, it only smelled like that for the first few times. And then um, the other thing was the first few times I used it, the fibers shed onto the fabric. So at first I was like, oh no, I, this, this, hopefully this doesn't continue because that, that um, would not be ideal. Uh, but it, it, it didn't. So it was just after the first few uses. Um, so that was great. After that, um, I, I did a few, uh, lots of different types of ironing. I pressed um, whole cloth yardage pieces of fabric and ironed them like ironed the wrinkles out. Um, it did a really excellent job at that. And um, it works in a similar way that the wool press mats do where um, the fibers uh, retain the heat and they um, heat both sides of your fabric. And, and so um, that's why, you know, it's, it's like a really good addition to your ironing notions or tools. Also, just like for the physical differences, um, I I put the alpaca um, the alpaca pressing mat right next to my wool pressing mat, and so the alpaca pressing mat is just a little bit shorter. It's about an eighth to a quarter of an inch, but it's it's just like an actual like physical size difference. It it doesn't affect the performance at all. Um, so it's just, um, you know, some things that I took note of as a difference, but the performance, um, was really important as well. And it really does everything that it says it does, um, you know, retains the heat and presses the fabric from both sides. Um, and I, uh, just used it by itself for a while just to, um, see how I liked it how it um, worked over time and was I, I was also like is this going to be too soft um, and you know not having structure will it not you know press things you know crisply and smoothly but uh, I think it actually almost works better um, I don't know the science of how that works but it's got to be all in the um, you know the way that it's felted so many times um, and gives it resiliency. 
Uh, so it, it um, I was really amazed at the performance of it. And uh, when I ironed fabric all the way across, so I put them side by side and I was just ironing like yardage fabric, not, not quilt blocks, um, there was a visible difference in the packa pressing mat. So um, it, I think it does retain the heat a little bit better than the wool press mat. Um, but the wool press mat, you know, it works well. So um, it, it's just um, slightly, the packet pressing mat, I think, is, is, is a bit better. Um, and that results in like less time spent in re-going over and pressing and pressing and pressing. Um, and you can use all different kinds of sprays on the Pekka pressing mat, ironing spray, starch spray, uh, water. Um, the wool press mats, um, don't rec they recommend that you don't use any of those sprays. They're not fully washable, um, but the Pekka pressing mat is. You could like submerge it and, and wash it with organic soap um, and then it will dry, air dry. The other thing that I noticed with the Packa pressing mat is that because it is a little softer, uh, the fibers, um, the mat grips the fabric better uh, than the wool mat. The wool mat grips it a little bit too, uh, but this one really held the um, uh, my half square triangle block in place pretty nicely. The only thing that the packa pressing mat was not good for was when I was making the heat transfer vinyl t-shirts because it is too soft of a surface uh, to to press the um, the vinyl onto the t-shirts. You need like a really firm. And in fact, the wool press mat is even too soft. So I actually um, use... Uh, um, I have like a one foot by one foot granite um, piece of granite sample, and I put that underneath um, a Teflon, uh, like a Cricut press mat for the heat transfer vinyl. But I mean, that's like an out of ordinary type of use for it. <laughs> so, I, but for those of you who do that kind of stuff, though, it, it I just wanted to mention that it is too soft for that. Um, otherwise, you know, the bottom line is it's a great product and, um, you know, there are similarities to wool press mats um, and I, I still like my wool press mats too, but the more I use the pack of pressing mat, the more I love it. And when I use it, I just, I think about just the um, ripple effect of supporting small businesses and the fact that What A View Farm has um, created this product. They're using um, a fiber that would otherwise not be usable and they're supporting other farmers. And we as quilters and makers can support What A View Farm and it kind of ripples down to all these other farms. Uh, so, and it's 100% all natural. They don't use any binders or chemicals and it's completely needle felted um, several, like many, many times. So um, I, I just really like this pressing mat and I would say that, yes, it is a luxury item. It's an investment. But I also feel like it performs so well, and I think it is going to last 
for many, many years. So um, that's my review on the PECA pressing mat. Um, I just wanted to say one other thing, because as I was preparing for this review, I also, um, I was interested in the difference between wool and alpaca and, or the wool press mats and how they're made. And they're, the wool press mats, it's, they're, all of them, like they're all made differently, <laughs> sort of. And some of them are organic and just 100% wool, but there's not a lot of those out there. So you really have to do a lot of research and to find out if that company, um, you know, uses chemicals and binders because sometimes they will say it's 100% wool. Um, and that it's F7 SAE rated. Um, and that is like a super like technical term, but I looked it up anyway. <laughs> and F7 SAE is um, a measure of weight, thickness, and fiber component. And it also means that it's only 80% wool. So in a wool pressing mat, you're probably getting 80% wool and 20% fillers and chemicals, binders. Um, there are a few out there, though, that um, I did find were um, 100% natural, but they're hard to find. And I don't even remember. <laughs> I don't remember which ones I found. But I will say the price point of those that are uh, that were 100% pure wool were a lot more expensive. And you may look at the price points of the um, the pack of pressing mats um, as more expensive, and they are. But again, this is a small business and um, it's 100% pure, no fillers and binders. And um, you're supporting small businesses. And I'm so excited because What If You Farm is offering my listeners a promo code MAKE10. So if you go to packapressing.com and you order any size PACA pressing mat, put a promo code in MAKE. It's called, all right, promo code is MAKE10. MAKE10. I'll put it in the show notes too. And it's this is going to be good through September. So you can do a planned purchase um, anytime from now until September. Make 10 promo code and you'll get $10 off your purchase. That's really generous. And I thank Sue at What A View Farm for offering this really nice discount to my listeners. All right, so let's move on to the next review that I have. And this is a book. Krista Watson sent me her newest book release. This just came out uh, probably a few months ago, and it's called 99 Machine Quilting Designs, Ideas and Options for Walking Foot and Free Motion Quilting. I've talked about Krista's books before many times. I have all of her books, and um, I always go back to her very first book because it's my favorite one that I use some of her quilting um, designs from that book. Uh, but this new one is in a different format and it's more like a reference book which I really appreciate. I really um I like this format and because when you are 
done with your quilt top and then that dreaded question of, well, now how do I quilt this? <laughs> um, or at least that's what happens to me. Just a quick time out. I apologize for my raspy voice. It's uh, full on allergy season. So uh, hopefully you can bear with me and I'm going to try to edit as much as I can. And it's such a great handy reference because it's, it is a very simple layout with all of the pertinent information and, and just what you need. So you can quickly find what you need and all of the information is there. And uh, so at the beginning, she does um, talk about walking foot and free motion quilting tips, which is nice. And um, what else? Um, then it just gets right into the 99 quilting um, designs. Some of these are, you know, kind of basic, like a stipple, but it's nice to have it in this book. Like this is a really good, like, let me go see what quilt design I want to, I want to incorporate into my new quilt. And the way that each quilt design is laid out, uh, I, it's very clear and it, it's very effective, I think, um, and very helpful. So, for instance, um, there is a matchstick quilting design. She has beautiful photographs of the quilting done on a quilt and they're all solid fabrics. And you can see the quilting design really well. And there's a description of what this quilting design is, how to do it, also where it is best used. That's a really good, um, I think, unique part to this book is where it is best used. And then uh, there, she always has like a variation that you can try. So this is also, I think, pretty impressive because all of these um, quilting designs have like a variation where you can kind of step it up. You know, you can, if you're, you get, you practice and like you use one all the time that kind of like becomes your, you know, go-to quilt stitch. And if you wanted to like, you know, like kind of move it up a notch, she's got it there. So like for instance, we'll look at the crosshatch now. So this is just a simple grid, horizontal and vertical lines uh, spaced about, you know, an inch apart. So a simple grid. Now a variation that she says that you can do is, you know, you can do a fourth series of lines quarter inch apart. So it's it's just um you can overlap the grid, you can do this or that. And below the photograph of the quilt, uh, there is a drawing with arrows and they're colored. I like this too <laughs> because it changes the color versus the pass that you do. So um so like on this grid, um, you would start with, you know, the number one and that's your first pass. So those are done in black. 
And then your second pass would be like in the red colors. And then your third would be in the blue. And what I mean by passes is, let's say you're doing a grid and uh, you start from the middle of the quilt and you draw, you, you quilt your line and then you go two inches over and you quilt your next line and two inches again till you get to the end, turn the quilt around and then from the middle you do two inches to the end. Then you start your second pass where you come back to the middle, you use that first line that you quilted and let's say now you wanna do it one inch apart and that will give you one inch vertical lines. Um, if you did a third pass, then you might have uh, half inch vertical lines. So every pass you do, you're making the space um, you're, you're making a repeat in the space smaller um, with more lines. So it's very easy to follow. I sometimes find that some quilting diagrams and then you have all these arrows, they're all done in just black ink. You don't know where they start or they finish or like in the middle, where where exactly does this go? It's very hard to figure out. This is very straightforward, simple, and the color coding works for me. I'm definitely like a color-coded type of person. <laughs> I love it. So um, yeah, so I pretty much read this book cover to cover. I looked at all of these designs. It's really cool. And um, like one of my favorites, this Shattered Lines quilt pattern is in here because you can't get the Shattered Lines wrong. They're like overlapping straight lines at all different angles that are just random. You decide where you quilt those those lines and it makes a really cool um, quilt pattern. So let me just read to you. This is on the very back outside of the book cover. So I don't think Krista will have a problem with me reading this because you probably can read it um, on her website or wherever her book is sold. It says, give your quilts a fabulous finish. Award-winning machine quilter and best-selling author Krista Watson presents a new collection of dynamic machine quilting ideas. Gain insight and inspiration from step-by-step -step instructions for 35 walking foot designs and 64 free motion techniques, plus dozens of variations. Each design includes a photo, a description, and a diagram to set you up for plenty of machine quilting success, even if it's your first time quilting on your home sewing machine. So that's pretty much everything that I kind of said <laughs> without even realizing that it's a right here on the back of her book. <laughs> so again, not sponsored, but um, you guys know that I love Crystal Watson. So um, and I have been quilting with her machine quilting designs for a while. And um, when I first started quilting, I did I took two classes um, in person at local quilt shops. And both of them were just miserable fail fails. Um, and it's just that uh, I I don't know. I, I learn in a different way, I guess. And when you're in a class with a ton of people and you really don't get that one-on-one -on -one is one thing. Uh, because machine quilting and free motion quilting 
just it requires a focus and and um, it's a technique. Uh, these techniques are they feel odd because when you're first learning, you have never done that before, and you have to develop a memory, a muscle memory with your hands moving the fabric around. So, um, you know, unfortunately, the quilt classes that I took just were just didn't have that. And they were very intimidating. They started you out on, you know, we did start the one class on a basic meander, but then uh, we were shown like 10 other designs and we were only allowed to practice that design for like two minutes. And so I, I, I'm not sure of any brand new quilter would be able to grasp just two minutes of practicing a single quilt design and moving on to another. There's just not enough time to develop that muscle memory and just to get used to um, the movement and um, technique of working with a quilt on your sewing machine. The point of this is that when I got Krista's first book and was reading her um, techniques and and I'm like really more of like a, um, you know, I learn, what do they call it? Kinetic? I don't know. Certain type of learning versus book learning. Um, I, I do better if I'm shown something and then I can easily, you know, pick it up better than if I'm reading it in text. But because her book has these beautiful photographs and her descriptions are precise and uh, not too much detail and not too little detail. And there's the, the they start off with a simple basic design. And then you can you can add on to that variations and create more um, you know detail as you feel comfortable. So this is why I really love her series of machine quilting books. Because, um, first of all, not all of us have access to in-person learning. And if we do, it may not be the setup that's that's right for you as a beginner uh, machine quilter. And also, <laughs> in the last year and a half, we've not been able to do in-person um, classes. So, um, yeah, that's why I enjoy the books. And that's why this book, I just really enjoy it as a reference book. I mean, I will always go to this and look at what designs um, are in here. And sometimes I just get reminded of like, oh, yeah, this design's in here. But let me tell you. So I did and I'll put a photo photograph of this in the show notes, but I did a practice, um, a practice quilt sandwich, I guess you would say. And this was in preparation to quilting my um, niece's baby quilt. So I kind of like made like a mini <laughs> size quilt where I practiced all of the designs that I had chosen for this quilt. And um, so, yeah, I, <laughs> I'm a designer, so that's how I do it. I, I like to design things and, and have it ready. I don't, I don't usually just kind of like start quilting and figure it out as I go. So um, there is a, a new quilting design from this book that I tried for the first time and I loved it. And it really isn't as hard as you think it might be. Uh, 
It's called the um, Pendant Heart. And uh, I did this on um, a small border on the quilt. So it was probably like an inch, inch and a quarter wide border. And it was perfect for this design, Heart Pendants. So that was a really fun new quilt pattern um, that I tried from her book. And she does this. You can do this with any shape. She did it with uh, triangles and boxes. You can do it with swirls. I mean, the options are endless. And that's the other thing. Like she gives you a starting place and then you can take it to wherever uh, you want it to go, what, whatever your creativity and your imagination brings. And um, just, um, you know, and maybe you pick like a couple and stick with those for a while until you get your muscle memory. And then you just keep adding on to it. And I personally like to mix um, straight line with free motion, although I really like free motion better than than uh, walking foot quilting, to be honest. <laughs> um, I just, I don't know. I feel like it's more free and creative and less confining, but also walking foot quilting, you have to turn the fabric. Um, and when you get used to like being able to move your fabric in all directions with free motion, you know, then I get a little impatient with the walking foot. However, there are some instances and I don't I don't like eliminate walking foot quilting at all. I still use it. Um, but I like I like to combine walking foot and free motion and Krista does that a lot too. In fact, Krista only quilts with her domestic sewing machine. I think that's another reason why her books are very effective because she produces a, all of her quilt designs uh, on a domestic sewing machine that uh, and is able to describe exactly how to do it and how to move your fabric and you know in the beginning give some tips um, on you know things about you know your machine that you can set up for uh, more successful quilting. So I really like that she also quilts on her domestic quilting machine. Um, you know, I know that there are other um, famous quilters out there and they have beautiful uh, free motion quilting designs and stuff. But when I try to learn like from their videos or whatever, if they're doing it on the long arm, it is totally different. And it's hard to translate that back to your domestic sewing machine. So that's another important thing that I think is um, great about Krista's books. So and just for you guys, my listeners, Krista has also given us a promo code to use on her website, KristaQuilts.com. You can get this book there. You can get her fabrics there, um, patterns, quilt patterns. And with the code podcast, you will get free shipping 
free shipping. Who does not love free shipping? So anyway, that is really generous of of Krista and of um, Sue at What A View Farm for for giving um, you guys uh, promo codes. So um, go ahead and check out their websites. And um, the free shipping is not just on her book. It's on your whole order. So again, the code is podcast. I hope you enjoyed these reviews. They're honest and um, I would never do them if I didn't fully believe in the products. And again, I like supporting small businesses and I'm not opposed to to sponsors. I'm, in fact, <laughs> I would love to have some. So if you're listening and you're a company, bring it on if you want to sponsor the podcast coming up in season four. All right. So um, I want to actually read. I got a new review on iTunes, actually two. So thank you very much. And let me read these to you. So one of them was an update. So they reviewed... Um, like a couple years ago when the podcast first started and so wannabe. And it says, still one of my favorite creative outlet podcasts. Nearly two years later, you crushing it, make and decorate. Um, so thank you very much. And the next one was um, uh, put on here on April 30th. So uh, sorry, I did not see this sooner. There's no way that they notify you, which is which is odd. Um, so, but this is from Duck Creek Quilter. One of my favorite podcasts. Love the insight on decorating as well as quilting tips. Enjoy hearing about sewing with Ava. The extra tips on podcasts, shows, and books are great. I have a notepad ready to jot these down. Love your interviews, especially with Kate, Sophia, Irina Stahl, and So Sweetness. Um, your voice is great for a podcast. I listen while sewing and walking. Keep it up. Wow, that was really great. Uh, thank you so much. And for just, again, to take the time out and to write a review um, really means a lot to me. And I really, really appreciate it. So um any way you can support this podcast, it will keep it going, whether it's just going on to iTunes and putting in a review or, um, you know, becoming a patron or just listening and sharing it with your friends. Well, my make and decorate friends, it is time to say goodbye to season three. Thanks for hanging out with me. And if you've been listening since season one, thank you so much. Uh, it's so great to hear from listeners. And uh, one thing that I do check all the time, because on my podcast host, Buzzsprout, they have um, a really cool stats section. And I can see like the... the um, counts of listeners like all around the globe which is really fun for me so it's it's just still blows my mind that someone halfway around the world in Japan is listening um, Germany UK is growing so please keep telling your friends in the UK about the podcast uh, Canada so yeah just um, thank you so much and I'm working on some some interesting things for season four 
uh, and uh, again, we'll stay in touch. I have got to get this newsletter out. I've got to finish um, setting up this uh, Mighty Networks online group for Make and Decorate Friends. So um, that's it. I wish you a lovely uh, Memorial Day weekend and a wonderful summer ahead. And let's hope that the next time we meet on the podcast that um, we will have been able to um, meet and sew with friends in real life. Okay, take care, everyone. Bye-bye. If you would like a bonus episode every month, become a patron and support the Make and Decorate podcast show at my Patreon page, Make and Decorate. For extended show notes with links and photos to what we've talked about, visit my podcast blog at makeanddecorate.com. And remember to take some time for yourself to be creative. Bye-bye.